farted. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, a farted. <laughs> in, the, in the back of church who's like in a pew trying to make sure nobody else hears. And he leans over and that's the sound that you hear. <laughs> the sound you hear is... Uh, When is it gonna come? Dang it! That's and you better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On our podcast today, I have a question for um Michael Bublé. Okay, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's your question for him? How's it going? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I wasted your time. No, I was. <laughs> I mean, that was Michael, when we though. were. That was when we were listening to Michael Bublé at your mom's house, right? Yeah. Because I remember you making a comment like, "Whoa!" Like you were like visibly taken aback by Michael's like, "Y'all better watch." It's so aggressive. It is very aggressive. I never noticed it before, but it's, it's like it's very. Aggressive. It's like so chill before that point, and then he's like talking about his drive to work, and there's somebody was driving slow. Oh, y'all better watch. And he just goes. <laughs> I love it so much. There's that fart guy again. <coughs> All right, this music. Are you dual wielding tea? <laughs> Double fisting. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Why do you have two? In case the first one wasn't good. But you're like going back and forth. Yeah, it ended up good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Michael. How do you feel about the hurricane that's coming in toward Honduras right now? <laughs> <laughs> the louder you put up that sound, the better. I want it to audio break like every time we talk right. to Michael. <laughs> Michael, how do you think um, Trump should be feeling leading up? <laughs> but Michael, I mean, let's be honest, though. Like looking at the next pass. election. I- like. <laughs> 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 All right. Hey, isn't uh, your uh, son sick right now? <laughs> <laughs> He's sneezing all over the place, and let me just say, <laughs> for all of those germs, <laughs> I was in the bathroom earlier and uh, dropped some slope soap on the ground, and I was slipping, and oh then my gosh. I heard. <laughs> There was no wet floor sign, and Michael was coming in to help me. <laughs> Appreciate it, Mr. Bubble. <laughs> Welcome back to Conversation Therapy. This is a podcast. <laughs> 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 this is a podcast where I, Michael Lamp, talk to people that I think are fun um, because conversations are therapeutic. And this is mostly for me. This is our first official three mic <clears throat> setup. I guess four mics, me included. I have Ooh. two microphones that are not mine now. So two special guests today. Today we have um, special, well, just regular guest Cooper at this point. And oh. also my little sister, Katrina. And let me just tell you, Cooper, <laughs> because that's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, Katrina. This is the girl that we've always referred to as a Latrina on the podcast. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> we didn't we didn't want to dox you. Yeah. And so now want to what? Dox you, like tell people who you were without your consent. Ruin your identity. I think Mitchell can know. <laughs> He's your one listener. <laughs> Image. <laughs> What's up, Mitchell? If you ever make it to this one. Well, this is a Christmas episode. Um, it's very exciting. And while you're out driving, just remember that it is double. Uh, the, the tickets are doubled. So <laughs> for cops while you're out there on the road. Maybe that's why we got charged $55 on our parking ticket. You got a parking ticket? We did. Where? We don't know in how Columbo? to read road signs mm-hmm. in Columbus. And it said... There were other people parked there. And the sign was like, just don't park. It looked like it, it was, was like saying, don't park on here. The on the like third Tuesday of every, of every May, November and something else. Because it's street sweeping. So we're like, well, it's not the th- third Tuesday, and it's not November. So we parked there, and then we came back, and he had a fifty-five dollars. I don't, I don't know what we read wrong on it, but I mean, there were other people parked there. I don't know. Well, take we, that as a lesson, all you listeners. That true. Road signs specifically. I don't. I honestly don't think we know how to read road signs. I think that was the problem. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and also in Columbus, they're like just looking. Like in any city, they're looking for. I think the worst part is like you're supposed to live and learn, but we still haven't learned how to read road signs after that. <laughs> so like we got nothing It'll away from again. that situation, and it's going <laughs> to happen again. So it's like my emergency fund now is fifty five more dollars in it. <laughs> Less. What? No, it's no. Like I added. Oh. I added because. Gotcha. Sorry. I'm expecting Sorry. another. Yeah. <laughs> the budget has to go up fifty five dollars. Fifty five dollars for the next Every inevitable time parking we go on a ticket. Date, yeah. Fifty five dollars in cash. Specifically to Columbus, it, though. Doesn't it go up the more tickets that you get? Like it gets more expensive. Probably. Maybe in a certain area, but that was like the website that I paid with was specifically for Columbus parking. So I don't know that that would like translate to other. Cooper Sounds. emailed back the automated message that said, thank you for paying your parking ticket with up yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Katrina typed in the email. I just did send. But better they better watch out. all of those angry cops coming after you now that you've sent that back. Yeah, I've got I like don't think they knew what he meant me. because you spelled yours Y-I-R-S. You spelled it. You typed it out. I just pressed send. What is that how supposed to be? It's what a, emotion does it's that a, evoke? It's a, it's a, like imagine that somebody makes a bad pun. And that's I was like, uh. Like oh. and no, no, there's like a little bit more depth to it than that. It's like the comedian was so funny up until that point that they were like ready to laugh at a good joke. And oh. then it like came out at first. They're like, oh, this is good. And then they like were like, oh, no, it isn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> Same one. The it's not what? Good. Wait, wait again. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, y'all. Um, top 10 things to watch out for um, around the holidays. Or let's just do... 10 is a lot. I'm finding out 10... Summer and I tried to list off 10 Christmas foods, like foods that come around around Christmas. Eggnog. Well, we can do it now if you want to. <laughs> ham. Eggnog. Eggnog, ham. Ham. Eggnog. Candy canes. Gingerbreads. Eggnog. <laughs> Welcome back to. Today <laughs> <laughs> we will be listing Christmas foods. <laughs> We're gonna start out with eggnog. <laughs> Next, Cooper submitted ham. Oh. 
Uh, I also think that weird cranberry pudding that you like put cranberries in, but it's also jello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making the sounds of the foods. Keep going. <clears throat> the occasional like whinnying for me is like. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael, for your input. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if green bean casserole is for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, but either way, I would say it is a holiday food. <laughs> and that bean is all the way in his lower intestine after that. That is hard. I can't think of any more. Wassel. Wassel? Yeah. Here um, we come a wasselin. Wasseltop. What's the one ham that people go crazy for? <laughs> Honey baked. Honey baked ham. <laughs> no, for real, you better watch out. I know somebody who used to work at a honey bake ham place, and they have people in the back. They put like it's like a block of glaze Spam. on there. Spam. That's Christmassy. And then they just blow torch it. Like in the back of every honey baked ham place, there's people with blow torches, like making the hams. That's how they get the glaze on. That makes sense, though. So, better watch out. <laughs> you better watch out. Thank you, Michael Blue Blay. <laughs> For all of your help this Christmas. Um, we had a couple other ones. Deviled eggs were on there. They come around Deviled more, eggs are a 4th of July food. But they come no. around more They come Christmas around on time. holidays. So and just I holiday sure. foods? There's not really like There's Christmas not specifically food. Christmas food. Well, those those cookies Christmas where cookies. you take a, 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 a Hershey Chaos. And oh. You, 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 oh, that's not the sound <laughs> that it makes. It's like a... You <laughs> that's the sound. <laughs> Repulsive. <laughs> you just do that right in the middle of your cookie. Oh, man. You are drinking. <laughs> I don't know how you're going back and forth between a tea that is overwhelmingly average. Let's call them out, all right? There's this dragon fruit tea made by somebody. Supposedly dragon fruit. Yeah, but it tastes, it smells like... Somebody scraped the bottom of a lawnmower and. No, I've been trying to put my finger on it. It's some like outdoor smell, but it's not that dirt. <laughs> it's it's the smell of what a forest that is covered in leaves. Because I thought it was dirt after it rains. Not a good smell. It's like oh something's decaying. Thirty. Feet I gotta away. smell this again. It is decaying leaves. It's how fall smells. Is how that tastes. Yeah, but not the good fall smells. I don't that's have how, a problem with it though. That's how fall smells if you're sad. No, f- <laughs> fall kind of smells like death. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> you better watch out uh, for all the death that it comes. It tastes in fall. way different than it smells though. I know it tastes better than it smells. Maybe I should taste it again. You know what? Let's just it all just... get sick here. I'm not sick. I'm not sick either. So yeah, mean. I still hate it. I still am not a fan. <clears throat> then isn't it like below average instead of overwhelmingly average? So I feel like you can't be overwhelmingly average. Let's have a philosophical conversation, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> Can Let's you talk be about overwhelmingly things. average? Yeah. <laughs> All right, next cop. <laughs> next I'm trying to think of somebody who I can think of that's just overwhelmingly average. Um, I don't want to be mean, but a couple no, come like, to mind that I know. Yeah, but I was thinking like celebrities. Like you mentioned earlier, Larry the Cable Guy. I think he's overwhelmingly average. No, he's not average. Any celebrity is not overwhelmingly average. It have to be like a, a D-list Everything celebrity. Everything about them is average. It have to be like a D-list celebrity. Um, I have a bunch of notes here on my phone. Um, 
Michael Bublé, You Better Watch Out was one of them. Um, there was one I was at church, um, humble brag, and <laughs> I was listening <laughs> to the worship set, and I am growing to like worship songs less and less. Not because of any like heresy musical reason, but just because it feels weird to say, and now we're going to worship together. Um, it just feels weird to like try to force something that's so intense. Well, all of church is scripted like that. The point, I think, is fellowship, and we've made it as if it's supposed to be you and God, but it's not like like to script the Holy Spirit is weird altogether, and I feel like people do that in sermons too. Yeah. Well, the point of a, a church service, technically it's called a worship service. So the entire thing is supposed to be an act of worship, and it's not even close to that. No. And my least favorite part, I wrote this down during the song because I was so mad and someone punched me in the arm. <laughs> um, interludes in worship songs are the stupidest thing ever. Mom's been saying that for years. What, what do you mean by that? Like, all right, here we go. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus, nothing. And it's just people playing the instruments for Why is that bad? 32 bars. Because everyone's just standing there like, what worship is happening? Worship is with the individual, though. It's your own fault if you don't get worship out of it. How many individuals? To... That's, okay. First of all, terrible attitude to have. <laughs> it's your own fault if you don't get worship out of it. I agree. I, I would agree. It's entirely up to you to give worship to God. As a worship leader, you are supposed to be leading everyone in worship in the most yeah, effective like, way. Quiet time is like probably effective for some people. Maybe, okay. That's this. I is would where say I, the interludes are very effective for me. This so. is where I get angry at Christianity, not at you specifically, but when we say, <laughs> not at you, <laughs> no, say, not at you. I I don't like the way organized that, religion. Well, kind of. I I don't like the excuse that well, this works for some people, so let's do it. It's like no, we're wasting so much time and money and other, like so many people's time. Not that specifically, but other aspects of Christianity. Like, well, if one person got saved, it was worth it. It's like, we well, imagine we could have done this in a much more effective way that could have reached thousands of people. And I'm thinking, at least for myself personally and many other people that I've talked to, interludes and worship songs are not an effective way of feeling close to God for most people, in my experience. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you guys think? Uh, I think it's a waste of time and energy to, like advocate to get rid of interludes i mean it's just that's fair yeah i don't know i think it depends on how the interlude is done because in some of them i do feel like it's look at my like look at my musicians and people are like like popping off on the electric guitar (laughs) and i don't i feel like in some cases it can be where you're just like watching the musician and you're not talking to god i feel like it can be done well and it can also be done in a way that's like all right get back to the words also, I think that I'm just not good at focusing during worship songs. I think interludes are terrible with mediocre music to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I'm just like well saying, done. if we're talking like just from a stylistic perspective, like, and we're like only talking about like the quality of the music and like not really in reference to how worshipful one is being like, yeah, I definitely think interludes are really hard to uh, get in the attitude of worship with. It's mediocre. It's just like maybe that's monotonous. It's monotonous. But like, if it's like really big and like you have a really great instrumental, if there's a crescendo and there's Mm. like, yeah, I don't know. It it does depend how it's done. But I definitely don't think like it's up to the worship pastor. I mean, it's like 
you're supposed to do your best to get everyone in the in the mood of there's worship. There's some verse in the Bible I forget what it is, but it says something about how like that's the person who's leading the church to worship and Yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. think it's their I think job that- to do their best to like bring them into like I don't know, maybe at this point it's just like time for a for a change in style. I don't know. Because well, we've been doing, I feel like worship music has been the same thing for a very long time. Cooper and I had a conversation. If Christian music weren't like contemporary Christian music, what genre would it be? Like, well, is it like soft rock? Love what that is question. It? But I want to go back to what you said, Sorry. how if an interlude is good, like musically, because uh-huh. there's a church up in Canton um, called Faith Family, oh, yeah, where they, they have like a full everything band and a choir and like incredible singers and incredibly talented people playing everything because it's a church, like a mega church. Like there's thousands of yeah, people that attend. Huge. And so if you take the best guitar player out of 2000 people versus the guest, the best guitar player out of 200 people, like it's going to be better at the bigger church and yeah. so their band is just so good and i never have felt there like oh this interlude is weird it's always been like oh this sounds incredible but i i was at a smaller church that was not um, your church i was at a i don't want to dox well i don't want to be mean were you at your church uh yeah okay i was at the one that i'm currently going it's to. not it's not mean i mean it's just it's like- just yeah it's a smaller pool. I definitely just think yeah. that, like, sure, interludes probably aren't effective at, like, smaller, mediocre churches. But, like, also, it's not entirely the worship's pastor job to make you worship. Like, it's his job no, to bring you into all. the atmosphere of worship. Yeah. And I just also think it'd, like, be, like, a waste of everyone's time and energy to, like, should we vote on whether or not to have interludes and songs? Like, I don't know. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I was just venting. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, it's definitely my fault. <laughs> like, Well, no, if- I, don't th- I don't think it's your fault. I also just think, too, like, we've been playing the same style of like soft rock christian music for a very long time it might just be time for a genre change yeah so what genre is it then is it soft rock christian music is definitely soft rock i think the more that i thought about it i mean like i've noticed like there are some jazzier songs that have like just popped out of nowhere yeah like um shoot is it lauren daigle yeah it has like a jazzier her christmas album super jazzy slaps (laughs) i knew you were gonna say that I've I've not listened to it. I don't know. I think that's better than her. I've never listened to anything but her Christmas album, which I just listened to in the car this summer. It's very toned down and super jazzy, so I really enjoyed it. Good. It's like it's just the whole thing feels like a like a jazz dive bar. Like yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like live music. There's very few people up there playing. Here's my church theory. It's like okay, like. You have the people that played in the youth band. Okay, like all the all the middle aged, um, like, um, I don't Say know, it. boomers and like <laughs> millennials <laughs> that are like now leading worship at churches. Now were like the same people that were leading worship music like in their youth ministry, right? Like, way back in the day. So like, it's been like twenty years. Let and they're some still zoomers playing, have like, a go. Same. <laughs> They're still playing like their same thing. So I'm just thinking like in a couple of years here when like you start getting, I don't know, the next like the next generation, it might there might be like a flip and it might be relevant again. I don't know. Worship music? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I also th- yeah. I really think that's the thing. Like the same people that have been doing it, I don't I don't know, they they do it forever. This is also coming from the perspective of a young person in the church though, and I think the majority of the people in the church are not nineteen and well, I yeah, it well, might be that's more exactly what them. I'm saying is like that and I'm true. saying by the time that we come up and our generation is in authority and we're the ones that are doing the worship, the 19-year-olds then are going to be like, yeah, we've been doing this for forever. The church won't exist at that point. 
all young people are leaving the church. It's crazy. The mass exodus of people leaving the church right now. Like the organized church as it currently stands. I'm not saying that like gatherings of Christians won't exist, but the church as it currently exists, I don't think is going to be here in that fashion in 15 years. Hot take. Maybe not that hot take because I feel like that's the thing that's been happening for a while. <sighs> what form do you think it will exist in? Um, I don't know because I think that like home churches are a thing. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. Which like, I don't know because there's there's this thing called the emergent church which has been going on for a while and like. I forget who it was. It might have been Piper or MacArthur. Like, one of these very conservative guys wrote this book condemning it. And, like, they talked about all the bad parts of it. And the... Uh, excuse me. Sorry. And then there's other, like, people that have written books about the good parts of it. Basically, it it takes the... Uh, it takes all the things that are, like... I don't, I don't know how to explain it well. I actually asked... It's on my Christmas list as a book about the emergent church. There's um, 21 things on Michael's Christmas list, so I'm guessing he's not going to get like it. Like six of them are books, <laughs> so like mostly books, not mostly. Let the record show Michael's wearing a shirt right now that says, ask me about my podcast that was his Christmas gift. <laughs> From my mother, which I love. That's another conversation topic, whether or not Michael should wear this in public. My vote is no. Michael thinks that he could wear it in public ironically but not around people who know about his podcast which makes the opposite sense because people in public wouldn't know that it was ironic but his friends would yeah i guess it just feels like it was meant more just seriously shameless. than as a joke know. if you're gonna wear it just do it shamelessly yeah i think that's what it has to be is i have to just be like okay i'm gonna own this like really this is... it's not that deep yeah I, sure. I don't know it could be it could feel deep because this is like a big thing for you like it's your way to vent i'm wearing a shirt for a sports team right now that i don't even know how to pronounce orioles <laughs> it's a professional like baseball the, team an organ in the female reproductive system <laughs> it's actually my favorite um vegan snack <laughs> <laughs> orioles <laughs> um, oreos are vegan yeah i know wondering really Which makes you wonder yeah. what the cream is is sugar not vegan? <laughs> <laughs> Katrina aggressively pointed to that button for me. What's the cream? Just what's, saying. What's the cream in Oreos? Just like sugar? It's not a block of sugar. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's grainy. <laughs> it's just got to be chemicals, right? Yeah. Almond milk and It's not sugar. almond milk. There's no dairy substitute in it. It's just like and hydrogenated something. Death corn oil. Well, let's just think of things that are white and vegan. Katrina. Me. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> All right. All right, y'all. I have so a list of questions that I added, but I Cooper, also. Wait, wait, wait. Last night we were at the zoo. Cooper and I went to the zoo lights and I asked him to take a picture of me by the sign they had by the koalas that said eats only leaves. <laughs> <laughs> there also was a sign that said sleeps 20 hours a day. Also me. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I have this on here, but it, it says the only thing you're getting for Christmas is a punch in the face. <laughs> and I don't know what Uwe was mad at. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, there is this, <laughs> you know, those little like kids trains that like a tractor pulls like the stuff behind it and kids can get on it and ride. It was like a party attraction. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. You're not nodding. <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> 
But no, I don't, but I it's not hard to imagine. Imagine a bunch of 50-gallon buckets, 55-gallon like bins that they like, cut a hole out of and made it look like a train that like drags behind on wheels behind a tractor. It's, okay. It's just like a kids train thing. And they like you can rent them for parties and stuff like that. Like Sounds little kids real parties. Billy. <laughs> it's very hillbilly, but there's this dude who had I was driving on the highway and there's this dude who drove by me in like a trailer that's had one of those advertised and <laughs> it was like a picture of it and their catch line was you're never too old to ride the magical train and i was sitting there thinking Oof. like this has got to be mushrooms <laughs> like th- that phrase it's just a front yeah you're never too old to ride the magical train that's wiener king's front um, have you guys ever eaten a Wiener King? No, because they don't sell wieners. They do have food, Mm-mm. and I've heard it's very good. I have actually heard their wieners are really good. Paige's dad asks for <laughs> Wiener King like gift cards for every holiday. <laughs> um, I saw an article about that where it was like somehow that rumor started, and the owner was like, yeah, "I have no idea why this rumor started that we're like a front for stuff. Like we're just because uh, they see no one." There. That's exactly what someone who was a front for something would say. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Listen, no, I've I do never wonder seen, where that rumor started. I have I never seen a car. I've never seen anyone at Wiener King before, there. which is why. I know two people in my whole life that have liked or eaten food from Wiener King. Two people. I've known I've known several people that have liked Wiener King. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> yeah. They sound like they're getting it from the, the downstairs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah. You, you never know. Don't do it. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I have a bunch of questions that range from uh, deep to deeper. Mildly invasive. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with some easy ones, and then we'll get to more difficult ones. Um, if you could become immortal, but you would never be able to die or kill yourself, would you? If you could become immortal, but you'd never be able to die, that's the point of being immortal. <laughs> but there is some. If like, you could become immortal, but you were immortal, would you do it? <laughs> Let me call this meeting to order. <laughs> There's your bell. I'm gonna turn on this one. That's my, that was okay. My first a lot of the immortal things are like you're immortal, but. If Except you, for your heel. You can, like, get killed by a sword kind of a thing. Like, gods are immortal, except they can be defeated in battle. But this is saying, you become immortal, but you can never, ever die or kill yourself. Do you do it? Heck no. No? Oh. Oh, so, oh, I get what you're, okay, I get what you're saying. Oh. Why not? Why don't you do it? I don't, I don't really like living that much that I want to do it forever. Because eventually you'd find hell, probably. <laughs> I don't know. What? Existence is pain, is well, what you're saying. No, I'm saying like eventually everything will end, and you'll just be sitting there with nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Eventually, you know. Can you still feel stuff? Yeah. Forever. I'll be sitting in like the vacuum of space, endlessly suffocating and being freezing cold. Well, no, you. It, that's okay. I'm imagining, imagine that... You know, in a hundred years, all humans are You dead. imagine like society is like still relevant. So, no, society is not relevant. Society oh, is dead. Right. All humans are dead. The earth Finally. is starting over and you're still alive. What would that look like? That'd be crazy. Just the experience of it sounds cool. I don't know me. if it's worth it. Uh, I can just watch a sci-fi film. It'd be super depressing, yeah. Yeah, mm. I don't think... 
but you could jump I don't, off buildings. I, don't, I think it would also come to a point, though, where you're just, like, no longer human. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Because psychologically, I don't know. Like Edward Cullen in the Vampire different. movies. What are those? Twilight. Yeah. He lived Abraham for, Lincoln. That's the one. The Vampire Hunter? Vampire Slayer. Slayer. Son. <laughs> Have you guys seen it? Who has it? Yeah, dude. I've not seen it. Oh, dude, it's stylistically, it's actually really entertaining. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I was very surprised when I watched it. My um, dad said a similar thing about it. He went to go see it. Your dad saw Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer? He was a movie buff for a while. Yeah. He like, hated every movie Buffy, he'd ever seen. Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> he was a movie buff. Oh, gross. <laughs> all right next question um would you do it i don't know probably not but i want to say that i would so let's just say yes hot take um i'd just find a way to simulate death i guess <laughs> if i had to do it you know, right. i'd bury myself what is a childhood a memory that lives vividly in the forefront of your mind childhood memory that pops into your head vividly in the forefront of your mind when i say that I don't really have memories. <laughs> Cooper, nice. <laughs> Corey was eaten by a bat. I've never seen her since. All right, next question. Uh, no, wait, no, no. <laughs> Cooper has been doing... You know how people say, like, okay, I see you. I see you when you do something. Yeah. Cooper's been saying... You know the joke in... Element, you never went to elementary school. That was, like, spell I-cup. Spell I-cup. I-K-U-P. Whatever. <laughs> Well, Cooper's been saying, instead of I see you, he'll say, I see you, P. <laughs> and yes, and he's been saying that for like a while. That's really funny. And yesterday though. we were at the zoo and there were the bats and bats hang upside down. And yeah, to those pee, bats are so cool. To pee, they flip their body, like they flip it down and pee flip and then flip down. back up. And one of them <laughs> popped down right in front of us and Cooper was like, I see you, P. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That is good. That earns a little bit of Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank my family. Um, shout out to my dog. Um, I've got a lot of Instagram followers. A lot of support. Thank Man, you. Now thank we're you. Done. Okay. What question can you ask that gives you the most information about a person? How many times do you poop a day? That gives. <laughs> if you could be immortal, but you had to be immortal, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, okay. <laughs> Next question. The most information about a person. Well, what. It's anything pe- pertaining to their fecal matter. You know their diet. You know how much. You know everything. <laughs> you know everything. People wouldn't answer it if it were something that would actually tell you about them. And then you know Fold a lot about them. If they're not answering you, you if know. If you knew that they were going to answer, the question I think would tell you the most about them would probably be their biggest regret. Biggest regret? Okay. Because not only does that tell you like something in their past, it also tells you their like philosophy. Stupid. Stupid. Interesting. Rookie, rookie like answer. there's some people who are like, I don't regret anything because it made me who I am. And then there's other people who are would be like, Well, this is when I don't I know. Killed like, that puppy. It tells you about their morality and also about their past. Stupid. No. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> what's the most traumatic sense. thing you've ever experienced. Fair enough. I don't think I could pick That's just a good one. one That's rational. <laughs> 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 i actually do like that one a lot though that's good i asked it to hannah brown when she was on this podcast and it was a very interesting answer you can go back into the archives what's the most listen to that actually i don't want to what's the most traumatic thing you ever experienced cooper once yeah cooper yeah cooper (laughs) 
<clears throat> What's the most traumatic thing you've ever experienced? Whoa. Tell us. That. You better tell us. <laughs> um, uh, uh, this is too oh, intense. Oh. Are we going too deep? No, I yeah. think... Okay, okay. My sister... You don't stop touching the pop filter and making that noise. I've had like a couple familial deaths, but it was like... It wasn't like... Mm, it wasn't traumatic. I think like you I kind of have to define traumatic. Mm. I think it's the thing that had the biggest impact on you that sticks out the most in your mind is something that like changed you forever because oh. a traumatic thing can like it doesn't necessarily have to be like super like overtly <sighs> negative like you can experience other types of trauma as well like major changes like if you moved somewhere at a very pivotal age like that's not necessarily negative but it could have caused a lot of trauma yeah that's a good that's a good point your uh, biggest trauma is dating me no, um, <laughs> <laughs> because of Michael's definition, I find it amusing that you could almost take that in an offensive way. But um, something that altered you? I don't think that's offensive. I think the one time Corey died while being eaten by a bat—that was crazy. No, she lost a lot of blood. Who was Corey? What are you talking about? Oh, my sister is Corey. No, will you give more context? I've got two sisters, JC and Corey. I don't. Is that know. enough context? <laughs> I don't know either. No. Okay. Corey. One time, she had a shoot. What's it called? A tonsillectomy, and her incision came undone in the middle of the night. It was the night before my parents were going to Florida, and they were about to leave, but then someone saw Corey in her bed, like all covered in blood, and like passed out wow. and everything. Was and, that you, or is that somebody else? Uh, it was someone else. Or your brain repressed it. Yeah. And then we still had to go to school that day and no one was really telling us like what was going on. Mm. Oh, wow. And That's brutal. Yeah. And I guess like Corey lost a lot of blood for like a little 10, 11 year old, whatever she was. Yeah. And shoot, I must have been like 13 or 14. But anyway, yeah, she... She had so almost died. Everyone thought she was about to die. Did you see her in the bed, like covered in blood? I don't think so. I think I found out something was wrong because I walked in her room and there were her clothes lying there, covered in blood. Oh yeah, yeah, that's super traumatic. But um, so do you? Feel it was more traumatic though because like all of a sudden everyone was like, "My parents are going to Florida. Corey's not in the room. Her like sheets are covered in blood." Mm. And then like, do we just like just go to school? and right. I mean, like half the story and then like yeah. so that day was like i remember that being like kind of traumatizing but like i immediately i don't know i think it was like young enough that i kind of repressed it enough that day that i was just like okay with it mm. yeah because i remember like specifically like a teacher somehow like heard that something was wrong and then they wanted to ask me about it and they asked me and i i remember answering in a way that they were like they asked me why I was like so numb about it and I was like, I don't know, it just like kinda happened. They asked you like, that? They asked me something along those lines. They were like, You seem like pretty calm about this. And wow. uh, yeah. Dang. I was like in sixth grade or something. Yeah. You know that you know a- the Aiders, like Monica and Bethany Aider? No. Yeah. You do? Yeah. It was her mom, Mrs. Aider. Okay. She was the I one know who was talking to me about it. She was the Bethany's guidance counselor husband. at Mr. Christian. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like trauma, like the trauma that we experience that lasts with us are typically because we don't, or people, I don't know why, I, I always say we because that's what I was taught is like you don't alienate people by saying we, including yourself and like the like the conversation and it's also, it, it lends to weird conversations. What I'm trying to say is I think that when people experience trauma, when children experience trauma and aren't able to process it, that's what makes it stick with. Yeah. Because, like, if a child experiences trauma and then, like, somebody is there to help them process through it, whether that's a therapist or somebody who's, like, in their family or something like that, like, it's still traumatic, but it's not nearly as traumatic as a child who experiences trauma and then doesn't unpack it for 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's the thing is, like, now that I think about it, though, I don't think that affected my life very much because it was, like, the next day everyone was, like, yeah, she's fine. She's going to live. So, like, to me, like, the reality of, like, the the close proximity of death um like that it really strike me mm. you know when did what i mean by that you? is like anyone can anyone can die i don't think has it struck it, you because that's not that's the thing that i think a lot of people don't think about that's fair yeah no <clears throat> it definitely has i think that comes with like not with age but it like comes with like living being open to experience you know like i don't know reading books watching movies hmm. or yeah. really though i think that like being open to like experiencing other things that I don't know, other perspectives. I, I don't know. I think reading through Kurt Vonnegut or something could teach you a lot about like the proximity of death. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I feel like that stuff like, like that, watching Saved private Ryan. Like that's what came to mind too. It's like watching movies like that and like experiencing books like that. Like even though it's not like firsthand, it really like gives you the reality of life. Mm. Like, yeah, but How I feel like easily that, life can be taken away. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Whenever I watch movies, I feel like that's almost a separate part of my brain where I'm like I'm escaping from it reality. Is a part of your but then like when something appears, because I've never had someone very close to me die. Like I've never either I've die by that. suicide or die in general. Like I haven't had somebody close to me who has passed. I've had that, and so I don't know. Part of me feels like I don't know what I'll be. I don't know what I'll be like when that does happen. I experienced something like pretty like oddly traumatic the other day and I wasn't expecting it, but it was this guy on second shift and I had like seen him most every day. Cooper and works I knew first that shift. he had some some heart issues. Not heart issues. I knew that he had some health issues. He had like dialysis <laughs> running through his arm and it was pretty obvious. But um yeah, I I always work first shift, and I <laughs> dude, I just got you got health issues. Speaking too, of health issues, yeah. water down the wrong pipe. You better watch out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Oh man. I'm so sorry. I was so interested, and I tried to take a drink of water, and I died. Yeah, but it was like it was so. <laughs> Heard odd. that before. Second time. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, dude who has things. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, like, we just got an email that he died. And it was like, I just saw this guy yesterday. Whoa. And I, like, I never really talked to him, but I saw him every day. And, like, I'd maybe, like, said a few words to him before. But that was, like, close proximity. Like, I'm never going to see this guy again. It's just weird. It wasn't, like, traumatic in a sense. Like, I was, like, super depressed and went through a grieving process. It was just more like... That's weird. A person that I see every day is, yeah. like, gone. Removed just, from like, the equation. Yeah. yeah. And that was, like... I don't know, like its own type of like strange feeling trauma. Like on the way home, I was thinking about it. Like I'm never gonna see this guy again. <laughs> the accidental bell ring was the like was totally the not akin terrible. to what you were talking no. about at all. 
No, I'm never going to see this guy again. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> hey, Michael, do you think you'll ever see this guy on the street? Because <laughs> you. What? Oh, man. What? I don't, I don't get that one. Sorry. Uh, well, we'll see if you'll see him on the street. <clears throat> you better watch out for him. Okay. <sighs> Not my best. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, cut that out. What? Edit point. I'm going to edit that out. No, I'm not going to edit that out. Do you edit these? No. no <laughs> I edited one of them. <laughs> I said the name of somebody uh, where, that I was using fake name for, and then I <laughs> edited back in the other name, said weird, the fake name. Most editing I've done. What? What about is you? the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you? No, that's not a thing. I'm going to do an episode later that's just me talking about when I died, but I don't oh. want to get into that too much now. I, I've said, I've, I've wrenched it. I've mentioned it a couple times, referenced it, uh, but I've never gotten into it fully. But I'm interested to hear yours, though. Because I'm trying to think, like, it doesn't feel like there's, like, I mean, when, um, I don't know. I don't want to bring anything up for you. And if you don't want to talk about it, that's perfect. I feel like wasn't I've, me. It wasn't. It wasn't you. <laughs> Ouch. I feel like I've had a a variety of traumas. Dad brings this up sometimes. Whenever he realizes, mm. he always like apologizes <laughs> to me for the life that I've lived. But I think probably the most significant trauma was when somebody close to me committed suicide my sophomore year. Mm. But I was like. I don't know. There's been a bunch of little things. I was there when you drowned. I were you there? There? Yeah, I was taking lessons <clears throat> there. Oh yeah. Yeah, you were. You were. You were there. I, I remember, Dad. It was like the second day we were going to visit you in the hospital, and he realized he like for the first time I think had a second to like stop and comprehend what had happened, and he was like, "You were there." And he grabbed me. He was like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine." Because I was like right. dumb, but. Did you see them pulling me out? Like, did you mm-hmm. see all that? You saw all that stuff? Yeah. Wow. I, that's intense. <laughs> but that one, I don't know. That one didn't really hit me that hard. Maybe because I was like a kid or maybe because immediately afterward, because this was like swim lessons and immediately, and so it's like a group of kids. And so they said to us like, oh, he's going to be fine. They're just taking him to the hospital for some tests. Like they just told everybody that. And right. then we kept on. So I thought you were fine. Because <laughs> you can't say it on these kids. Yeah, you can't Your say it. Your swim instructor just drowned. <laughs> he's being life flighted. Like, yeah. no, you can't do that. So I just thought he was okay. And nobody like told me otherwise. Yeah. And so I just like did my swim practice or whatever. And then I was, I remember I was in the, like the locker room afterward. And I was joking around with a friend of mine and then Becca came in and Becca was like weepy and she saw me joking around and it almost like made her mad, I think, because she was just like trying to process. She's like, do you understand what's happening? And I was like, no, like they said he was fine. And then she started talking to me and then I was like, oh, and then we went home that night and I think it was just me and her because everybody else was at the hospital and I was like, oh, this is a big deal. But it never really hit me. It never really hit me. How old were you at that point? I was in fifth grade. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. You had neuroplasticity working in your favor. Shout out to childhood development. Shout out childhood development. What's neuroplasticity? It's like your brain's ability to rewire itself, and it's Mm. especially strong at a young age. Yeah. Not at a super young age, though. I think there's like a a middle ground. It's Mm. like prepubescent years. It's why, like, 
at a super young age is when it's the most. That's why it's, one through three are the most important developmental years. Yeah, even like if you, if you miss, mess like, with that though, like there's you're messed up there's forever. been cases where like a three year old has witnessed a murder and although they don't remember it in their later years, like it has messed them up. Or there's a, mm. I forget what the story is, but there was somebody who like some case of abandonment where a kid like wasn't spoken to or he was like left alone in a room for. I think it was like eight months or something just when he was oh, really wow. little. Like they would feed him and stuff, but they, he had no human interaction. And then child services one called, child services was called and they were brought and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like it was a huge mistreatment case or anything or like he, it was that long. But for the rest of his life, I don't, I think it's that he can't speak like because he missed that like oh. core development during his years of his like synapses being mapped. Yeah. That's so crazy. So it's the first years that really that really shape you. Yeah. But I, uh, I think there's like the development years like after that though, like yeah. after you're like good to go, that that's like the best time for you to experience trauma. Like mm. you'll be fine. That's fair. I handled Michael's drowning a lot better than I handled trauma my sophomore year. Yeah, cuz uh, like Yeah. In hindsight, now that I like talk about it, like I definitely am not currently that negatively affected by Corey dying basically. Like it was I wasn't that affected by you dying. I was affected by it later when I was in my sophomore year. Yeah, by the other trauma that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean. I wasn't even affected that much by <clears throat> another family member's death. Like, I was, but not, like, as hardcore as I would have expected like right. later on in life. But mm. Yeah, it's definitely, I don't know. Talking about trauma is something that is tough to do because that's like the most <laughs> stupid thing I've ever said. Talking, Talking about, about trauma, trauma is kind of tough. tough. Like, <laughs> duh, you idiot. Uh, but I think it's because like, whether or not we want to, like we don't talk about this stuff that frequently. And so we haven't actually like fully processed this kind of stuff. No way. No like, way. We have to the extent where our brains are okay with it, but then at the same time, at a certain point, our brains are like, mm, okay, let's stop thinking about I'm that. I'm shaky right now and I'm not sure if it's just because I just downed two cups of tea or if it's because I'm like weird talking about it yeah no i think it's i don't know it's an important thing to talk about um i just had a thing um i work at a group home for people with dementia and alzheimer's and i just had one of my residents die on my shift like within the past month and i've had one of them die before but i'd never like i wasn't there the day that he died i worked the shift previous um and but she actually like died on my shift like i was holding her hand like carried her out to the funeral transfer vehicle and i don't know if cooper realized but i was messed up for probably like a week after that like it wasn't conscious and i didn't really know why i was like upset but i think my brain was still processing for a while afterward like just that because it's just weird to see somebody go from like existing to not existing yeah it was it was it was weird yeah we like the the connection between body and soul is so cemented in our brains because yeah like everyone we see all the time exists like there's something behind their eyes that's looking out and then as soon as that leaves and it's just a body it's it's the it's in between terrifying. is almost weirder the in between where she was like she had declined and she was like unresponsive for the most part she was just laying there like on oxygen just kind of mm-hmm. doing her thing but then the hospice nurse and i had to change her at one point and so we're like rolling her around and her like eyes rolled open and she was groaning like she was clearly upset with what we were doing which was her like being kind of conscious but kind of not like she's like trying to yell at you but you know that her body's shutting down so that in between was almost weirder for me like 
probably because humans are so wired for binary thinking like there's dead there's alive there's like black and white but that was this gray area that was really uncomfortable for me to see like i'm thinking of her as if she's unconscious but she's still there yeah that's that's terrifying it was weird you know what's uncomfortable for me to think about is like neurosurgeries that take out a whole hemisphere of the brain Mm. like a A massive hemisphere yeah like like half your brain yeah when you're a kid they'll do that if you're having like like crazy seizures on one side of the brain they'll just take out a whole hemisphere because you can do it at that age but like a whole half of you just died and like your consciousness somehow makes a transfer to the other half that's crazy it's weird to think about or like split brain syndrome too split brain's cool that's even weirder hemispherectomy is what that's called that makes sense did you know there's actually there's no pain receptors in your brain Mm -hmm. so when they do like brain surgeries all they have to do is like a local anesthetic on the part of the skull but then they can just like slurp around in your brain and you don't know anything i'm reading about hemispherectomies now am i right they only do them on really young kids what patients are appropriate um patients with the following clinical and neuroimaging features may be appropriate medically intractable epilepsy with seizures arising from the pathological side weakness of one side of the body with loss of dexterity of the hand with or without peripheral vision loss yeah developmental retardation arrest of maturation due to intractable so seizures a lot uh diffuse abnormality of one cerebral hemisphere which is contributing to the intractable so yeah epilepsy That's like, yeah, super intense seizures. But does it say like what age group? Because I'm pretty sure you can't do it on an adult without them like losing control on half of their body and like going deaf. I guess it depends what area you take out. Like or warning. Most of these patients (laughs) start having seizures and weakness early in life. Once the diagnosis of epilepsy is suspected, the patient should be referred to a center specialized in the evaluation and management of pediatric epilepsy. Yes, so young. Typically performed for patients with hemimegalencephaly, hemimegalencephaly. Function, functional technique involves removing a smaller area of the affected hemisphere and disconnecting the remaining brain tissue. Oh, well, look so at they this. They just chopped through the corpus callosum. This is a picture of their brain. Like half of it is gone. That's an MRI. That's whack. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys want to see these pictures, go to <laughs> www. No, it's not. It's a https colon slash slash my dot cleveland clinic dot org backslash health backslash treatments backslash one seven zero nine two dash hemispherectomy. Hemispherectomy. Don't be stupid, it. Cooper. Yeah, you better. Wow, that's so insane. You know what's even crazier though? Split I had never brain heard syndrome. of that split brain did you syndrome? learn about did you ever take a psychology course in college michael did you um, learn about split brain in college um, and from you yeah i learned about i don't think split brain psychology in intro to psych and i think a de- developmental psych this is such a crazy concept because there's a lot of conversations that can branch off of this yeah this i'm basically there's this one thing the biggest aspect to me about it is if one side of the brain um is in far less control and is making. <laughs> Jeez, I forgot dude. you were playing Christmas music in the background. Split brain or colossal syndrome is a type of disconnection syndrome when the corpus callosum connecting the two hemispheres of the brain is severed to some degree. Imagine if this 
would have been playing when we were talking about our traumas. <laughs> After the right and left brain are separated, each hemisphere will have its own separate perception, concepts, and impulses to act. Having, quote, two brains in one body can create some interesting dilemmas. You should watch one of the videos of it because it's like... It's very you're, strange. Your part of the brain for understanding speech is like on the right side, and yeah. the part for speaking is on the left. So it's like you can hear something. Oh, let me uh, let me it's, read yeah, this paragraph. It's interesting. When split brain patients are shown an image only in the left half of each eye's visual field, they cannot vocally name what they have seen. Yep. This is because the image seen in the left visual field sent only to the right side of the brain. And most people's speech control center is on the left side of the brain. Communication between the two sides is inhibited. So the patient cannot say out loud the name of that which the right side of the brain is seeing. A similar effect occurs if a split brain patient touches an object with only the left hand while receiving no visual cues in the right visual field. A patient will be unable to name the object as each hemisphere only contains a tactile representation. Wow, this is... I am so interested. No, <laughs> and okay, I love this the is, this is what's music. crazy about it, though. <laughs> this is a, this Woo! is what's absolutely insane about it to me is like you can have. Um, there's been studies done where like one side of the brain will like write out what it's thinking, yeah, where the other side will like verbalize what it's thinking, and they can like be thinking different things. Uh. No, but what's even more insane about it though is like that means though, like because like the person is like. There's like two brains in one body, right? But you like <laughs> if they're receiving the same stimuli, like if the left side of the brain sees something and they're like the right side of the brain wants to grab it, like it'll grab it without like fighting against the other brain's like impulses. You know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. body, like the person is still functional. Like they'll walk around, they can like work, they can do all this and like it won't fight. Now, like what that what that kind of means though is like that one side of the brain is kind of submitting to another side of the brain's actions, and it like basically convinces itself that it made that decision. You know what I'm saying? So that like it's convincing sense, yeah. itself that it's like like the left side of the brain goes to grab a shirt, and then the right side of the brain is like, yeah, that's the shirt I want, and like it just complies. Yeah, and it's like I made that decision just for like sane purposes. So it kind of like brings up questions about like. Where's your how often reside? do you do that with like your subconscious like how often do you just like yeah mm -hmm. i made that decision it wasn't you know i mean that's just like an interesting question but then the other thing is like they've done enough studies to conclude that there are times where in split brain patients that one side of the brain may be religious and the other one is not probably right side yeah <laughs> the one that is more rational is typically not religious that's crazy mm -hmm. i wonder if those people go to heaven that well, that's the question. It's like it sounds like a joke question at first, but is it possible for like one person to like I don't know go both places? Weird. I don't know how how that heretical works. I want to be, but Michael been, doesn't believe in hell <laughs> or heaven in the way that we talk about it. Like if you actually read the scriptures that talk about heaven and hell, there's a lot less in there than you think there is. Yeah. Um, there's a great podcast called by Tim Mackey, who's half of the Bible project called Exploring My Strange Bible. He has a series on heaven and hell where he David goes through told me about that. goes through every verse in the Bible about heaven and every verse in the Bible about hell. Well, I'll I'll just change the question then. No, I think it's a good question. Well, I mean like can you be saved and both not saved at the same time? As opposed well, to going both places. That's <laughs> that gets into uh uh, that highly contested theological debate that I don't want to get into. Calvinism versus Arminianism, which is oh, yeah. entirely 
a stupid debate that I does agree. not matter for that. real life. It's Come both. at me. We all know it's both. Come at me, MacArthur. I think it's stupid as well. Your five-point Calvinism is not helpful for anyone getting them to come to Christ. In fact, it is only hurtful, and Christians should not talk about it. I agree. Dog. Hot take. I don't believe it should have been talked about. You better watch out when John MacArthur comes for your neck. If you're just like, <laughs> yeah, if you're just the talking closet? about it for like the purpose of discussion, then whatever. Who's talking bad about Calvinism? Well, okay, Cooper, I understand what you're saying. Be, I guess from my perspective, I've been in a lot of rooms and in, in debates with a lot of people who are getting very animated about the differences between these two versions of theological thought, and they always end with nobody being convinced the other way, and everybody, like, they at the end of the conversation, I guess I never look at it, and I'm like, oh, this was helpful for spirituality. It's helpful for, like, mind thinking and, like... Well, that's it. It's just purely yeah. philosophical, and it can't really be answered. It's just I, a curious thing to think about. There, We have been in situations, though. You were there, I remember, where one of our friends who was like considering Christianity was trying to reason through it in her head and she asked a question. I don't remember exactly what it was, but got it got into like free will versus predestination and you had like you you kind of have to work through that, I think, when you're converting. Mm, you definitely do, because it so comes not, down to you have to You definitely I'd say like before you take your first step in faith, there definitely has to be a rationalization process, especially if you're not christian mm. and you're like trying to be christian like before you convince someone like to go make a bold step like that like i don't know you have to like show them a seatbelt and a helmet i don't know hmm. i unpack that a little bit more because i'm like half with you but the other half of me doesn't exactly understand what you're saying i think faith is a big leap yeah i think it's a big leap, a leap i think it's faith. like yeah i mean i think it's the equivalent of like like saying I'm gonna believe in God. <laughs> that was for Katrina, not for you, Cooper. I'm Sorry. gonna do like to say that I'm gonna believe in God and I'm gonna do what He says, even though like I can't feasibly prove Him with my senses. Mm. Um, that's a, that's a big step. Like I'm gonna do whatever this guy says. I'm gonna do like and and without yeah. even like knowing if you if you know if you've not grown up Christian, then you have like no idea who he is like you know i don't know yeah even if you have probably. so like in or like you want to get to know him Hot like take. you want to you want to do i don't know you want to do research before you before you're like yeah i'm going to commit myself to this yeah i was i was listening to a different podcast um and they were talking about how like people who make decisions like we talk about like just putting your faith in something and how that's what we're trusting but in the end we all only trust ourselves like we are the ultimate authority for what we are going to trust because they they refer to it as like a group of people at a board meeting like all of the different things and we can say like i'm going to trust god with everything but in the end who's making that decision it's me and so mm -hmm. i am trusting myself more than everything else at this board meeting no matter what i want to say like we're all sitting at a round table but in the end, it comes down At to a decision end, that I'm making. you've chosen to give somebody else an authority. Yeah, yeah, which makes it not okay for us to, like, be um, putting things on other people or on other, like, well, that's just my belief. It's like, well, that's your belief. Like, it doesn't matter what you're believing in. Like, that is It's your choice to believe. You have chosen, and so you don't get to remove culpability because of that. And so, like, just like you're saying, the choice to have faith in something that doesn't, that we can't like validate completely like that's everything though like mm -hmm. i don't know i guess what i was saying was just like a defending people that have to rationalize before they put faith into something 
Yeah. I'm just defending those people because I'm, I'm in that category. Yeah. I, I'm going through a lot of, um, I don't know if it's belief changes, but I think I'm just thinking about things more fully and more like more mm-hmm. making your faith your own. Yeah. Yeah. And changing the way that I believe I, Michael three years ago would look at Michael now and be like, you're a heretic. Like just Michael the, three years ago was really close minded though. Michael three years ago was pretty close minded and he was a youth pastor. Shoe dog. Right? Like that's I went to a conservative school and I graduated with a bachelor's in biblical studies and I was incredibly closed minded about a lot of things and I don't think I really thought through a lot of things either. Like I just believed them and didn't actually like every like a lot of religion was taught to me in a how do I prove this, not let's Happy Christmas Eve, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's just so much stuff to unpack within the, like, religion. And I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is let's, switching the topic to, like, it's okay to doubt. And this is is Oh, for sure. That's biblical. Another note. Yeah, but we don't treat it that way in church. No, we don't. I think we've been getting in that direction, though, at least from, like, the recent sermons I've been hearing from pastors is like it's okay to doubt i just think it's like more common for newer generations to doubt with information being more readily available and other opinions being thrown at you all the time we say that we say like it's, it's okay, okay to, to doubt, doubt but, but we don't yeah, mean princess that. Me because i think i think <laughs> everyone every healthy christian should have doubts mm. right but like it was I don't know, like a few years ago where someone was like, you shouldn't be on the worship team if you have doubts. And I was like, oh. I disagree with that so hard. Yeah, absolutely. So hard. I don't know. I, I don't think you should be on the worship team if you're not a Christian. Why? I have a problem with that. Um, I don't think you should be a worship leader if you're not a Christian. There. Like the person leading worship? The person leading worship. I can see that, yeah. I don't. I also don't think you should be a vocalist if you're... Because I, I think it's very important for the people... Um, singing the lyrics to have a lot of sincerity in what they're singing. I can see that, yeah. But if you're just but playing if you're an just playing, because actually there was a a drummer that my dad led on the worship team. He was a good friend of mine, and he was not Christian at the time, but he was like becoming Christian. And letting him be in that Christian community was very powerful for him, and it was not hurting anyone else's faith. Absolutely like, not. We weren't telling anyone else that he wasn't Christian. I mean, it's not like, and if they asked, like we would have been like, yeah, he's like working his way towards him, and they would have helped him. Like they're not gonna. Yeah, it's not a deterrence. He's just helping us keep a rhythm. So yeah. I don't know. Other people might disagree with that, and you could bring like probably some compelling arguments to the contrary. But I don't know. The all of these. Well, side note: you need to have the mic more in front of your mouth because you're like talking over and not into it. Oh, so like, you just you can like lift it up and put it because <laughs> you're Is like this good. No. Well, like there, because like you're having it, you're talking like this, which is like I can still hear you, but it's not as good as like this. Oh, you know, my see, bad. see what I mean? No, yeah. it's all good. Okay. Um, separately, like the idea of, I don't know, because I think that for a long time I I thought that way, or I was like, well, you shouldn't have a person playing music for worship if they're not like like what are they playing the music to? But I don't know that that whole way of thinking I think is incredibly unhealthy, because that way we are. It, it almost feels cultish, and that's kind of... It like, does. It's like... Yeah. From a technical, like a very technical standpoint, like, sure, you could probably say that it's not the wisest thing to do, but also, like, there's no reason to get that technical with it. It's a waste of everyone's time. Just right. like the kids, uh, like, going down the right path. Just, like, shut up about it. I don't know. 
Yeah, the note that I have is Christianity feels like a cult when people are ashamed to question and doubt what they're taught. Mm. Because that is like, that is one of like the major market. If you think about, imagine a cult out in the desert, that kind of a thing. What are they going to say? They're going to say, this is what's true and don't question it. Like if you question it, I'm going to shame you. That's also usually self-fulfilling. Got to be very self-fulfilling with everything. Yeah. And that's also why I think the Bible can be so prone, or just like Christianity can be so prone to feeling like a cult, because I completely agree with that, is because it is inherently self-fulfilling. The Bible is. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely is. You know the Bible is true be. because it says. Because God says it's true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think then the fact that it says like it's okay to wrestle and have doubts. This is going to be the worst noises of you with a. Oh, man. <laughs> that's nasty. I lost my train of thought. Um, self-fulfilling. Yeah. I I think that it is very important for people to be questioning and having their own thoughts about the subject because it is self-fulfilling. And if not, you're just blindly following it. And that's not, but nobody actually, like I said that as a pastor, everyone in my church would have maybe said that. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't, but now that I am not in the pastorate, like if I would, if I were a pastor that was preaching on Sunday and said, sometimes I doubt that God's even real instantly you're out but that's a thing that's like a perfectly healthy thing to say and it's very cult so cult like to say if you have any doubts about the think, truth of this stuff that you're not in the club yeah like, what the i think heck? i think it would be like wise though for you to specify like i rationally want to doubt but like in terms of faith like i'm 100 percent there because i think that's important you need i think like you need to still be putting 100 percent faith into it even if you doubt you know what i'm saying mm. I kind of get what you're saying, but at the same time, I feel like... Because faith is a choice. That's yeah. the thing that I've come to learn. Faith is definitely a choice. As long as you are choosing to 100% put it all, like put your all into believing him, then it doesn't matter what your rational brain thinks. So I think it's definitely okay to say like, sometimes I doubt from a rational standpoint, but I still choose to believe. Like that's very important to distinctualize for people. Yeah. Because if, you're, if your faith is teetering... Then there's like you need to wrestle through that. I'd say probably before you're up there preaching, but I don't know. I feel like those things are not so easily separated, like the rational and the faith. Like probably it, it's you probably say, difficult to separate. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it, that that's, that's a very that's a really good point. Like that that's easy to say. Like I am one thing and not the other thing. But then at the same time, I mean, like you still choose to be Christian. Even though you doubt. But right? if, if I am doubting at that point, a lot of Christians, I'm using air quotes, would say that I'm not going to heaven at that point because I'm doubting. I don't have faith. But you and, do have faith because you're choosing to still believe. So that's where they're wrong, I'd say. The name Christian is follower of Christ, like one who is like Christ. It's also a choice to follow, right? <laughs> and so I think it's more of an action to be a Christian. So even if you're consciously wrestling through something, if you're still working and acting as a follower of God and doing what you know you should do. And this is where I get into the whole, like, cause I've been, it has been beaten into my head from the time that I was, you know, small because I went to church, uh, saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast, you know, that whole idea of it's not what you do that makes you a Christian. It's that we're saved and that is very dangerous because I think that has led to a lot of Christians Complacency. not. Yeah. And that's, I know a lot of atheists and other people that are much living more Christ-like lives than a lot mm-hmm. of Christians that I know. Right. And that is where I, like I, I've, 
I've kind of made it work in my brain to say, I'm not saying that you're saved by what you do, but I'm saying that what you do shows the motivation of your heart. Mm-hmm. So even when Jesus was talking, you know, you, what you did for these people, you did for me. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like what you did for the person who's poor and who's hungry and in prison and the widows and the orphans, like what you were doing for them when you gave them water, you're giving water to me. And there, I, that's where I'm at right now is I, I'm almost saying that the atheists who are out there who are doing things that are Christ like, who's to say that those people Jesus isn't going to look at and say, you didn't know it, but you were doing that for me this whole time. And it's not what you have done that saves you, but it's the motivation behind what you were doing that you didn't even recognize that is saying that you are saved. Because I'm not okay with saying that a person who says, I don't believe, but then lives a life of a person who would be Christ-like is then not in the club because of that. Because clearly there is like... So you God, believe there's like other ways to salvation? Is that what you're saying, ultimately? I'm saying that I don't think it's as black and white as we say that it is. Because we say you have to say these words. It's like, what the heck does that even what, mean? What do you... Like, we have to pray the sinner's prayer. You have to make a conscious choice. What I'm saying... Like, the only way to the Father is through me. You think it's like more... I'm saying that, that we have taken that to mean something that it doesn't mean. <laughs> he didn't mean that as a roast. No, but I that didn't mean that as a roast. He quoted scripture directly and was like, you think it's not like that? <laughs> well, no, because that's... <laughs> no, there is a lot of gray area, we though. I don't mean that at, as a roast. Because, like, yeah. what what does that mean? Like, how do you get to him? Like, how do you pass through that gate? It's, there that's, is some That's a that. very Western view of thinking. How do we pass through the gate? That that in and of itself is saying, what do I have to do to achieve this? Is like, that's it's not about doing stuff. It's It's about... You, I living. think there's some action required. And there's definitely action required to get there. If well, you that, confess with your that mouth that Jesus is saved and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's one verse. And then let's look at the rest of the Bible because that's like, that's true. But does the confessing with my mouth and all, does that have to be me telling other people verbally this stuff? Or can that right. be the actions, like the way in which I live my life? The reason I, I actually agree with you on this and the reason being though is mostly because like, there are plenty of disabled people or aborted children that did not have the ability to make the choice themselves Mm. and do not have the ability to rationalize and actually make the decision for themselves or tribes in Africa who never tribes in Africa that have never heard of it or tribes anywhere. But that's what comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just people in isolation or whatever. I mean, just culture. I'm sure like, most of North Korea has never heard of Jesus. Or atheists, know. where the only example of Jesus they've ever seen is the evangelical Christian church Ooh. that is picketing in front of abortion like uh, clinics and is not wanting people to be able to come in who are, come into our country who are in need and people who are supporting a president who like act, like all this stuff that like, if that is uh, the reason why a person is atheist is because that's the only example of Christianity and of Jesus, th- Jesus that they've seen. Can we blame them? No, like I'm a hundred percent on board fair. with that. And so fair. that's where I'm like, it is the motivation behind your actions. It's not, you're not doing stuff that gets you into heaven, but th- there is common grace, which is God within all of us. I don't know. I'm not um, biblically well-read enough to have enough, like have a very solid opinion on this. I'm too biblically well-read, which means that I have <laughs> like legitimately, I think that a lot of the way that I've read the Bible is through this like Western thought. And that's not like it was written in a culture thousands of years ago by people who in a different language, by people who thought so differently in context that I will never be able to fully understand. And so trying to take that and shove it into my box of theology, mm. just because 
you know, these thinkers have said it that way. You know, even like these crazy books like Thomas Aquinas, Summa Theologica, like this insanely thousands of pages where he talks through all this theology. And a lot of it we look at now and we're like, oh, no, that's not legit. But this other stuff is really good. And it's like, well, who the heck does he know? Like, how does he know that? He Even he was so far after all this stuff happened, not living in their cultural context. And that's like one of the foundational books that so many of the other thinkers like Martin Luther and these others base their theology upon. I'm on my soapbox. But I think that what I'm saying is we think we know so much more than we know. That's definitely true. I can agree with that, but I don't I don't know how much of an opinion I can have about um uh other routes to salvation. Not even other routes, but just like other gray areas. Yeah, cuz right, even yeah. that is like the the idea of routes is a very western thing of like, well, what do I have to do? And then if you look at like Well, still everything you're saying though like requires some action like to be doing things with the motivation of I don't know. There's always some yeah, action required. Yeah. You can't just sit there and do nothing and be saved. Well, nobody can do nothing. Right. Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, There's like always, something you have to do. But you don't... It's not something that you choose necessarily is what I'm saying. It's something that... it Oftentimes, it may not be a conscious choice and a verbalization of, I choose Jesus over other things, which is what we've been taught. What I've been taught for forever is you have to say these things and you have to blah, 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 blah. You'll never be able to do enough to be saved and all. It's like, yeah, I agree with that, but I don't think that it's as black and white as we say that it is in that specific way. I think that there's a lot more there that is not just the way that evangelical church services say that you should be saved. Like, I think there's, there's so many people that I know who, I don't know, I saw this post that was like, it was it was a meme where it was like Kanye says he saved evangelical Christians are like well he's his own life like we got to trust him and then it's like a gay person says they're saved and they're like you're going to hell like that that whole thing of like just because a person that we don't think like I don't get to be it's a terrible meme <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to be the person who says whether another person is going to hell like that's not up yeah, to no, me and so why would I ever try to like be I don't know there's a million, a million thoughts agree. here. I would agree that it is never as black and white as thing as it seems. Just as like a general life consensus. So yeah, yeah, yeah not consensus. Just as like a a general life, uh, philosophical consensus. worldview. I agree with that. Yeah, like so, like we life is living in the tension of the balance of what we do and don't understand. And we're binary thinkers. Mm. That's my one contribution to this whole conversation. Yeah, you've been sucking on a lollipop for forever. I didn't have any thoughts that I thought were necessary. That's this whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's everything. My thoughts are that you're at one extreme. Not mm, what you were saying is you're saying like it's it part of it is works based, but like, I don't know. But I also think there's another extreme in the Bible, which is where those people came back and they're like, Jesus, we did all this stuff in your name. We raised people from the dead. We were healing the sick. We were doing all this stuff. And he says, I never knew you. Like, yeah, I think that's another extreme in that it does require a relationship. There has to be both sides. It's not just actions. Because if I saw somebody who like raised somebody from the dead in Jesus name, I'm pretty sure they're getting into heaven, but apparently there's something else that like God's <laughs> doing yeah. that we don't get. So that's I think that's a huge gray area. Like you can never know who's getting into heaven and who isn't because it doesn't look how Christianity looks on earth. Yeah. 
Yeah, it almost feels like a lot of it is like the unconscious motivation that exists within each of us. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? And those, it feels like their motivation was they were doing this stuff to prove that they were saved or to prove whatever. And then like even getting into like, what is my motivation for doing all this stuff? And I think that my motivation, whether or not I want to admit it was not healthy and not whole when I was a, a pastor, when I was doing all this stuff, like my motivation, I don't know what it was. I, I couldn't tell you to be honest. And I still, I'm trying to What's figure out. What's your motive now? I, I think that it's just, it comes back to my understanding of God. And if I think that God as a person is good, then my motivation is to be like that good part of God that I see is to be yeah, doing that, which would be bringing what I perceive as the good parts of God into the world. Um, and that's what I'm trying to figure out is what do I believe about God and about Jesus? Because there's something there that I like, I'm not atheist in the sense of like, there is something there, like there is a power but I'm also not saying I believe in the God that I believed in three years ago because I don't because I don't think that God is a God that I want to serve because of the way that I believed about him, I think was very, very shallow, hmm. you know, and that's I like there are people who live and die within that belief and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's like drawing out terminology from his drowning experience. <laughs> I drowned in shallow waters. <laughs> My whole life. Why are you doing your Morgan Freeman voice to talk about that? <laughs> that is like the worst Morgan Freeman. I think that's voice an old timey announcer. And today, and no, today you we're heard talking it about. It was so good yesterday. I was crying. <laughs> He's like, "It is me." <laughs> I said, "It is I." Frog and Meeman. <laughs> Frog man Meeman. When I cried, <laughs> it rained in heaven. <laughs> All right. We should end with something a little more fun. If humanity was put on trial by an... Fun. Thank you for listening. <laughs> if humanity was put on trial by an advanced race of aliens, how would you defend humanity and argue for its continued existence? I wouldn't. This scenario is entirely unlikely, so I will not answer. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> when do we have to go how would i defend to... humanity i don't feel like i don't know i'm not all of these one. questions are way too intense let me pull up my other notes and pull up something girl, that's more i fun. wouldn't defend humanity humans <laughs> suck <laughs> mm. uh, i don't think we have a lot of redeeming qualities to be honest none. it's like well we trash our planet and each other and we're not very kind and we fight about everything. We trash our planet, but we also didn't know we were trashing our planet. Cooper doesn't believe in climate change. <laughs> I do believe in climate change. Cooper thinks it's part of the Earth's natural cycle. I think that we are part of nature. <laughs> I think that... What What am I then? Does that make me a transcendentalist or anti-transcendentalist? If I believe that humans Big are words. part of nature. I've been a hot minute since I was in junior English. Uh, transcendentalist. Transcendentalist. Okay. Well then, I just believe that we are a part of nature and that if the so climate So we're change, nature cycle. We are all a part of it. It's just what happens. It's <laughs> just what face happens. that you made was so good. I, I truly, I do believe that. We're at yeah. the, at the zoo yesterday, the polar bear exhibit, and they're showing all these pictures of glaciers then and now. Like Basically like, what I'm saying is whatever happens, like, happens. Just don't look. It's the cycle. <laughs> I was like, what?
sad. <laughs> He's like, just don't look at it if it makes you sad. Huh? It does. It's upsetting. But also, That's like, what I deal with my whole life. But whatever happens, happens. I mean, like, we Me came from nature and we'll go away with nature. It's all good. <laughs> if Earth dies, there's still a lot of other stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> there are there's, there's plenty of other planets you know we'll we'll be fine um we won't be fine but everything will go on <laughs> everything well, will go on if you it's choose to be fine. immortal i just don't care <laughs> if I mean, you choose to be immortal but you have to be immortal you'll be fine there's a lot of stuff to do then <laughs> there is still so much to do i'll um, float in space for a billion years until i hit a really fancy planet and i'll just trash that one too and we'll be good fancy planet is my nickname fancy planet mm. <laughs> No, really, what I'm what I'm just saying here is I don't care. <laughs> so what if everything dies? I don't care. <laughs> See, that's not a very sustainable view. Why why does it matter if we sustain? I mean, I, because children exist. Why why They're does not it matter going in the long to, shot, am I right? <laughs> why does that matter in the long shot? They'll grow up and they'll die too. Everybody dies. Oh my word, why are that's you such a nihilist saying. today? Well, I'm serious. I think that I've always believed that. Just like that's a very it is being conscientious in a bad it is being way. conscientious i've d- the the reason i believe this is because i've not tackled this aspect of my beliefs since i converted so it's still kind of like remained the same like nihilistic atheist view so so let's give me get some away time give me some time yeah how and rude I'll is change. it this is a note that i have in my phone how rude is it to say break me off a piece of that kit kat bar screw you it's my kit kat bar you know, if I come up to you and I was like, give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. It's like, no, it's my candy bar. Why are you stealing my candy bar? Okay, maybe that's not as funny as I thought I it was. I feel like maybe <laughs> I would. I, I would never, never, unless I really liked you. I would consider it with Katrina. Mm-hmm. Or give her maybe I love he you. He almost really okay. likes me. <laughs> I would. Too much. <laughs> too much for this. <laughs> Um, I was at a funeral a bit ago, um, and there was a, okay, shout out to funerals. (laughs) Everyone dies. (laughs) 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 Um, and they get, there was a very weird time where they were like any, like they did the eulogies and they're like anybody who has anything else to say, if you want to stand up and say it right now, climate change does not matter. <laughs> we will Cooper. all die anyway. <laughs> Cooper stands the up. seals will die. The polar bears will die one day. Who cares if it's a hundred years from now so or loud. if it's right now, <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> um, well, the ice caps are melting, but they're going to melt at some time. <laughs> Ice melts, idiots. <laughs> That's just what I do. It's all entropy. It's all the second law of thermodynamics. No matter what, the ice is gonna melt. <laughs> you ever get a nice coffee, idiots? Like, it melts. Like, do you? Did you even know my grandma? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought this was the Flat Earthers uh, <laughs> <laughs> conference. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I was in science class. Um, but we were at this funeral, and they said, hey, if anyone's anything else to say. And so there were some people that said nice things. And this one person clearly had not planned anything, stood up and started talking. And they were... Boo. Up, and they were talking, and they... Keep s- your trauma to yourself. <laughs> they, well, they said the <laughs> phrase... They were talking, and they said, and some of us are closer to eternity than others. And they, <laughs> they, 
kept talking. Basically, they were like, some of you are old and are going to die soon. Oh, my <laughs> word. Started laughing so hard. None of us know how close we are to eternity, Karen. Uh, yeah, but he us. is right, though. Some of us are probably closer than others. Well, yeah, facts, but we don't know who. Yeah, I just thought that was very funny. <laughs> a very funny thing to say at a funeral when there's a dead body in a casket 20 feet in front of you and everybody's sitting there crying and you're like, some of you are going to be there soon. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> um, being six foot is being the shortest tall person. Wait, wait, wait. Go back That's to our so true. Go I feel that pain. Thing. Yeah. Um, that is painful. What if at funerals, I know what you mean. What if at funerals they do the thing they do at weddings where they throw the bouquet and it's like your neck. That'd be great. <laughs> we should start that. The tradition. dead person throws. That the is my request. That is my request. Like that's you know, my, you, that's you, like, you take a flower no. from the top of the casket when you put it burying it. I have a better idea. <laughs> One of the flowers has like a little thing. Wait, Michael wants to talk. If he's got a better idea, he's right. (laughs) You take one of the arms up of the dead person. You have to do oldest people. You pull (laughs) pull the arm like a wishbone. Oh my my gosh. Whoever has the longer part of the arm. They get to choose if they want to live or die. And then there's like an executioner there waiting for the. Who's next? And the cycle just continues till everyone's dead. That would dead. go forever because then you have to have a funeral for that person. Yeah, that's probably how it's like done in heaven or something. God's like, okay, let's pull some arms. Or they stand. <laughs> Who the, goes the next on the ground and they each grab a hand and they pull. <laughs> Whichever person has a larger half of the body. Oh my god. Um, okay, back to being six foot is the shortest tall person. I I totally agree with that one hundred percent. I I would even think like going up to like six two is even like still because <laughs> I'm six two and if I like I saw this guy at a concert he was like ridiculously tall Katrina yeah. was there and I was like geez I'm like the shortest tall person there is because well, like I'm tall but I can't say I'm tall anymore. So, I felt uh, terrible. You heard that one come up from my loins. I did. <laughs> you burp from your loins. Oh Fun fact: gosh. If you hold in a fart too long, you have poop burps. <laughs> it comes, um, comes out I your pee hole. I have one here that says a strapless dress is a tube straight to hell. <laughs> you said that to me before. Yeah, that's I terrible. wrote it down because I thought it was funny. That's yeah, he terrible. texted that to me. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> um, that's funny though. I was at a football game and there was a flag that was on the play, and it was a smaller football flag game. Flag on the play. Flag on the play. And um, <laughs> that was a good microphone whistle. It turned out all right. Thanks. You're so welcome. Um, the ref was out there, and the ref was like on the field doing and it was a small enough football field it was like a d3 college game or whatever i don't know what that means small college game division three um it's really difficult to divide three Division. is it though yeah anyways so we were at this game and they did something and the ref called it and this person was in the audience and they yelled out and you can like hear it from the other side. Like the people on the other bench could hear it across the field, including the ref. And they yelled out, he tried not to. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. That's so funny. It's <laughs> like, well, yeah, but he did it. And so like they Me were at clearly the gates saying, of heaven justifying my actions to God. I tried not to. <laughs> and it was like, it was so loud. And this dude, like, I think that he thought oh, everyone was going to be yelling. And it was just his voice. <laughs> Voice that pierced everyone in the auditorium like, like straight <laughs> this guy and it was like you dummy like you <laughs> tried not to it's not about That's intent so yeah um 
Facetune pisses me off. Do you guys know what Facetune is? Yes. I don't use social media. But you know what it is, though. Of course clearly. I do. Otherwise, I associate. I wouldn't associate. There. Okay. There. There are some trashy people on my Facebook who have kids that are young. I'm not saying everyone who has young kids is trashy, but there are some trashy people. And when they take pictures of them, hot with, take. <laughs> hot take. Everyone with kids sucks. <laughs> This means you, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mom and dad, if you're listening. <laughs> okay, um, but they take pictures of like them with their baby or with their toddler, and they facetune the baby, and it's like that. That Kim child, has, Kim Kardashian West, has been in trouble for that a thousand times for facetuning her kids. But that's so bad because you're this child's gonna grow up thinking that's what you have to look like, and it's so unrealistic, and it's so bad for people. Um, I think social media nowadays is just like, yeah, for the most part. Actually, just I think most me. people on there. Are, I think a vast majority of social media users are completely stupid. Thank you. Actually, You're just so texted me saying I should bring my podcast equipment to Akron, but I feel like that's going to be so hard to do now that it's set up like this. Bring the whole booty table. Did you sign your name, Katrina? No. Um, we're not done yet. I want to talk to you guys. <clears throat> cool. I don't know if I should bring this up. I talked about it with Summer. Um. I don't know. I have a few more notes here, but I don't know. Go it's, ahead, girl. It's going to take probably five or ten minutes. Shoddy. Go ahead, girl. There's a... I don't know if I should. Okay, because I brought it up with Summer and she disagreed with me. And now I'm going to tell you guys. Do it. Um, Sweet Home Alabama is an old romantic comedy. One of the first ones. And it made me so mad. I walked in at the end. When it's like the big, whatever, the the high point, the crux of the movie. What is that called? The climax. That's the one. And um, this is what's happening, all right? Imagine you walk into a room and this is what's playing out on the TV. There's a wedding scene, beautiful wedding scene. Um, And so they show the people up front, they're walking down the aisle. And they're gay. (laughs) And that's why I hated that. No, just kidding. (laughs) Terrible. Um, And... In this wedding scene, there's a guy in like the, it's an outdoor wedding, and this dude's like at trying to get near everybody, like yelling and like trying to get up, and he's holding a piece of paper in his hand, and the bride like turns around, and is like, oh, it's okay, he can come in, and the dude runs up past the security, and he says, "What security at their wedding?" Yeah, which I thought was interesting, but Summer's like, "That's a perfectly common thing," so I didn't, I left that alone. This man barges in, and he says, "The hey bride name." you haven't signed this divorce paper yet that you were said you were going to sign, so you're still married, so you can't get married right now until you sign these divorce papers. The fiancé, this dude, very nice dude, is rightfully frustrated because she said that she had handled all of this before their wedding. This had happened a long time ago, apparently, and she was like, yeah, I'll sign them. Don't worry about it. And so she gets the papers, handed to her, and then they're like calling out, like, who has a pen? Who has a pen so we can sign? Finally get a pen. I don't know why they needed that part. It could have just been like, here's a pen. Ten seconds later, they get a pen from somebody, somebody's purse. <clears throat> She's holding this pen with the paper, about to sign it, no exaggeration, for 15 seconds. And that's like the point where she's thinking about whether or not she's going to sign these divorce papers with her fiancé right there. At her wedding. At her wedding. Trying to choose whether or not she's going to sign these divorce papers. And 15 seconds later, which is a long time, In movie she time. turns to him. And says, you don't want to marry me. I got so mad. She make she basically makes it his fault saying how he shouldn't want to marry her because she isn't good enough for him. 
and I agree because she's a garbage trash person to say that, but that is not her. Not just garbage, not just trash. That is not her decision to make. He chose her and said, you are good enough for me. I'm going to marry you. Let's get married. And then she is going to try to put it on him to say, "Mm, you don't want to marry me at this moment on their wedding day, on the aisle, like in the aisle. And that he, great person, right? Doesn't get mad. He's very gracious. And he, instead of getting angry, he leaves graciously because he's like, all right, I'm not doing this. Everyone there is in shock that this is happening. And this this bride who has just ruined this man's life for the foreseeable future, right? Led him on to the point of their wedding day and then said, you don't want to marry me. Didn't sign the divorce papers. He's walking away graciously. The best man in the world, arguably, at that point, right? He's He's the best guy. The, this guy's mother is pissed off and she is angry and she starts to berate the bride and the bride's mother verbally in front of everybody. Understandable, this woman led your son on to the point of the wedding day and then said no. And so she's pissed off and she's saying all this stuff, really mean stuff to the bride and to the bride's mother. But you like understand like that's super mean. But this woman's supposed to be the evil mother. She's like, he was going to be the president someday. And like all this stuff, which is like, it's stupid. But like, you're still like, that's a valid frustration to have. And the high point of the movie, like everything is building into this. The bride walks over um, after this woman, this, the fiance's mother says something mean about her mother, walks over and punches this woman in the face, knocks her out to the ground. And that is the high point of the movie. It consists of assaulting a person because of words that they said, completely ruining a man's life with no regard for her actions. And we're supposed to root, this is what I have, we are supposed to root for this piece of crap as she goes back to reunite with her old husband and it ends with them using the wedding reception that the great fiance paid for in order to celebrate their newly minted love. I'm so mad I could spit. Prove it. I don't want to spit on the mic. And that, <clears throat> really that is bad. the movie. And I was inordinately mad. Like, so angry. And I want to know what you guys think about that. Uh, the way you conveyed it is upsetting. But I don't know if the movie is exactly like that. I'd like to see everything building up to it. And Summer said, well, she she really was. Like, he was too good for her. And I'm like, that's not, first of all, not her decision to make. Like, she should have just said... That's I don't want to get married to you. And then she goes back and she said, well, the whole movie is like, it's good to have um, like restored relationships. I'm like, okay, I understand that. Like she's getting back with her old husband, but you ruined this man's life. Like I'm supposed to root for you getting back with your old husband because he's a good person. When this man that was clearly a good person because he didn't freak out when you did this to him on your wedding day, like I'm supposed to be like, yeah, screw that guy. This was kind of the reaction that Summer had, too, where, where I just ranted for 10 minutes, and then mm-hmm. she was like, I'm okay. And that's kind of what you guys are. So I guess what I'm learning is that I shouldn't get so mad at this, um, and that people are probably going to stop listening uh, if I tell the story ever again, because this is two podcasts in a row where I told the same lame story. I just, I don't know. No. What What were you going to say? I've not seen the movie. I don't know. But from the way you described it, I'm on your page, I think. Yeah. I'm so mad. What were you going to say, Katrina? I do think it's especially stupid that we're supposed to root for her. Yeah. 
That's what you said. Which I would like to see the movie. So though. happy that she got back together with her old husband. No, I'd like to see the whole movie. Hmm. You would. Before I had this conversation, I don't want to watch it though. No, I'm not motivated. We should to watch see it. it just to see if it is as frustrating as I think it is. I think that'd be an interesting time. Because right. you only saw the end, right? I I came in at the wedding scene, and I was like, "Oh, okay, sure." That might like make you less biased, though. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm already kind of biased. I think that a lot of stuff that happens in romantic comedies is not realistic to life, and uh. is it it's ter- it's not only not realistic, but is it's it a also comedy? A terrible example. Yeah, they were like goofy laughs and stuff at some points, but it's it's a romantic comedy, so uh, mostly romance and some comedy mixed in. I got so mad, and I'm. I think I'm not as mad anymore because now I've shared it with three other people. You processed. Yeah, I've processed through my anger, and um, I I'm still think those it's are the things you get mad at. Though that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't get mad at most other things. No, you don't. <laughs> but I'm so mad. You are pretty peeved about that. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It sounds to me, this is gonna seem offensive, but the like perspective in which you told that sounds like what a meninist would say that was like it was extremely like we're supposed to root for her and he paid for her wedding and he's the bad guy what's wrong with <laughs> being a meninist no I, that's <laughs> I, not what i'm i'm it, i know i know smallest, it's not what you mean yeah the smallest portion like was it. about the money most of it was about she ruins this man's life and we're supposed to forget about it. i do think there are legitimate problems with with that situation yeah i agree it's just the way you presented it I think that so. makes sense I don't know. The whole meninist movement is like I don't, I don't know. Stupid. E- equality of the sexes is good. I, I agree um, too. But everything beyond that is not good. I think there's like some legitimate arguments on both sides. I would say though that that women are definitely more uh, have better points. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's very sexist of you. I'm so sorry. Why can't they have equal points? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I mean like they have. A, I think they have more value. Women have. Yeah. If men have like one point, I'd say that women have like 0.78 points. That's okay. Do you want to get into the reason why the wage gap no! is real? The wage gap. <clears throat> let me just say. Let me just say the my wage piece. Gap is I know real. that the wage gap is not seventy-eight cents to a dollar, but they actually did the research on it, and they're like, okay, and yeah, maternity real. leave, blah 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 blah. There are still six cents left unaccounted for for anything but sexism. You're like, oh, okay, six cents to a dollar, whatever. That's a, deal. That's a lot of money in a year mm-hmm. if you're making six cents less just for being a woman. Yeah, I, well, I know. Yeah. I'm aware that I, it's not I'm actually seventy-six sure, cents too, to the that dollar. The percentage is uh, way higher on a corporate scale. Oh yeah. Like it's, I think it's like very notable. Yeah, I not I think on the, like the lower like middle class workers next to yeah. Mc, like it's not like I'm going to be next to Cooper at McDonald's and I'm going to be making less than he's right. for the same that's, job. That's but it's I mean. like when they're looking for a manager, they're going to look first to him, yeah. and then that. Well, contributes. I I've been like yeah. especially at a corporate level. I I know this uh, person. She she works at Gorman Rep, and she's uh she's their lawyer, and um she. She talks about it quite often, how noticeable it is up at that scale. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So much of this... I lost it. Uh, it Do you think something. that teachers would still make 35K a year if throughout history it had been a, like a male-centric Ooh, that's an interesting career? topic. Because it was always like, women can be secretaries or nurses I'd or like teachers. To ask, too, yeah. do you think... Well, nurses make a lot of money, so that's... The teachers don't. Teachers is still. I think female okay. Dominated. My my thing is that 
the reason why I think the teachers are paid so little is because they are not actively making money. They're they're like children cannot advocate for themselves. And so like college professors make good money and all that stuff. College professors which is arguably more male than too, female. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think that it's less about them being women because like the whole nurses thing. I don't know. I've never thought about that. I was just I think it's more about that. that Yeah. Those kids can't advocate for themselves. And so the government's like not going to put extra money into something for kids that don't like they can't. They aren't going to make a fuss about it. Plus, they don't really have any say in political. Yeah. Things right now. Which is. Yeah. That's another thing. This is a long podcast. How long? Hour 40 at this point. Oh, (laughs) But it's not like two hours and 40 minutes like that one that we did where I got mad at you. Mm-hmm. That I think, okay, I was looking back and I'm like going to just release all these because why not? Like I don't have to do a weekly upload schedule. And I think the last podcast, I've done like two or three without you since the one where, <laughs> where I like mm-hmm. got like not mad but like heated. And it was it was a great conversation. And like it looks like I was like, oh, well, screw this guy. I'm not going to do a podcast with him. That's so funny. <laughs> but it was like, no, like we have hung out and done other stuff since then. Yeah. It was just like the the timing hasn't worked out to have you over. It wasn't even like that big of a deal. Like afterwards, I was like texting. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. Is this yeah. when you said you don't care about voting? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. we're all going to die anyway. The ice caps will melt. <laughs> <laughs> No matter what, <laughs> no matter what, we're all gonna die. That lady, do what you want, but the polar bears are going. Some of us are closer to eternity than do others. Do you know how big a polar bear is? Oh, big old boy, like I ten had feet, son. No idea. Oh my word! You're gonna die. Like polar bears are the most brutal of bears. They're they're insane, dude. They kill their children just so that like there's no other competing polar bears. That's why they're going extinct because they're stupid. <laughs> they're like hot take. Much like the um, panda bear, just absolutely. Did you know dumb. that they don't know how oh, to have so sex? Oh, they're so dumb. They're so yeah. cute. They're so st- well. Then I don't think they're actually stupid. No, they're, they're stupid. Just, they are. Well, I thought it was what just is like the qua- they're more like, instinctual. They don't know they... how to have sex. No, that's if anything should be instinctual. No, they like do it in the girl's ear, like just the wackiest stuff. It's like. They don't know, <laughs> and so like that's they literally why are dying. have you ever heard of like panda panda porn? <laughs> no, no. It's my favorite subject. <laughs> oh no, no! But it was like a legitimate thing. It's like the name of the article. Uh, but they like started filming pandas having sex to show to other pandas. Seriously, and it worked. <laughs> so that that they would it know worked, how. So that they would know how, and it would turn them on because they would. Number one is they don't get turned on. They don't know how to get turned on. Like, they don't even know. So they show it to them, it gets them turned on. And then number two is then they actually know how to do it. Imagine, like, you're home for Christmas. (laughs) No, look it up. with your family. Look it up. They're like, oh, so we know you work in the zoo. What do you do? (laughs) I show pandas porn. (laughs) I film and produce panda porn. (laughs) The zoologists, like, there's a meeting of zoologists. They're like, okay, so we really have to solve this issue. Everyone's sitting down at the table. And, like, everybody's Trojan man comes out. (laughs) The nephew of, like, the CEO of the zoo is sitting there and they're like he like they, he's been on his phone for years he's, he's, he's never spoken phone. up he looks up at a meeting he's like panda porn yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the pitch is that everyone's like you're so dumb and he's like no hear me out he's got like one of those balls on the paddle he's like <laughs> <laughs> god's messing up and then they show up panda porn and they're like 
come on this works yeah. like <laughs> and the, the ceo's like i told you my my nathan my, my nephew he's a smart one out all you idiots nepotism's <laughs> here for a reason <laughs> yeah. oh my god he's just guys have you ever thought about <laughs> have you ever thought about he's like blowing bubbles <laughs> <laughs> my dad never taught me about the person of each <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, Nancy, bring me my chocolate milk. <laughs> Have you ever thought about maybe we just need to show them what to do? <laughs> and like first attempt, like prototype was like two guys in a panda costume. <laughs> like just go into the pen and just do it. <laughs> and it's like it didn't work. Imagine them going and then after for Christmas that, telling their family their job. And then after that, they're like, shoot. so many panda suits. <laughs> for work then after that they're like okay we'll just like film two guys doing it in panda costumes they're like no not work they're like on the scratch board and then they're like third option so we find pandas that know how to have sex it'll be a long journey <laughs> all right at, at this point i've learned that an hour and 45 minutes in i make my mom sad <laughs> the podcast what? because i feel like this mom would not be listening to this conversation like, I'm so proud of my boy. <laughs> you know? No, I also think she's going to like disapprove of me at some point. Mom is listening to these? I hope not. Make sure she doesn't. She is. Because if she did, I would no longer be accepted. Actually, you know what? I'm perfectly fine with mom. I, mom's not. I'm not. <laughs> she won't accept me in the family anymore. Yeah, she will. She, okay. <laughs> we talked about this before. We talked about this. Because yeah. you're so weird, it'll like one up no matter what. what? Yeah. You paved, are always ahead of the game. Me being so weird and like David being strange just paved the way for Cooper to also it be has. weird. Like and I, can, I can do whatever out. I want as you won't freak out. Guaranteed. Because I've done so many weird things in our family. I can do whatever I want. I got a panda sex. She won't care. She'll just be like, boys, well, baby. They just opened up one of those. <laughs> panda sex? <laughs> Oh, Panda Express. Yeah, they, <laughs> did. they did. They just opened up one. Is it right. open now or no? Yeah. Oh, boy. Pa- Panda Sex on Lex Springmail. Next to Sam's Love. <laughs> Panda Sex. Say it really fast. Guys, Panda we S- need to talk to this brand chain. <laughs> He's like eating Panda Express. Like, hang on, hang on. He, he, <laughs> he has just, dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> he was just talking about eating the food in the meeting. Oh and my god! He said Panda Sex. <laughs> and they're like, I'm not Panda Sex. Genius. <laughs> Wait, say that one more time, Nathan. Everybody, shut up and listen to my boy. Yeah, <laughs> what? Oh, that was man. the CEO talking about. Why was he hollering? Because he was loving the He's pandas. dyslexic. <laughs> he gets scared of him. He's scared of words. Panda Express! <laughs> Did you say what I thought you said? <laughs> Genius. Uh, Nathan is now CEO. How do right. we come up with Nathan? Nathan is his name. That's not how I was picturing Nathan at all, though. I was picturing Nathan as like... Like a grouchy teen. Like he has blonde hair that's spiked up like it's the early 2000s. (laughs) And he just, he comes into work like slightly disheveled and whenever he wants. And he like doesn't speak to the secretaries like they're human. And he just has his job because of his dad. And he's on his phone all the time. And he sits there in his like gray suit. And and he's like, panda sex. And then he just goes back to his phone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, And his name is Logan. Final question. Jason. Nathan. What? Logan Jason Nathan. Full name. What Paul. makes you 
I hate everything. <laughs> Did you just describe? I described. I I figured out that I really. <laughs> oh, no. up like it's the early 2000s. Oh my gosh, we did just describe Logan Paul. <laughs> Holy cow! You know, I figured out I don't like people with names that like they have two first names, like as their first and last name. It just sounds like two first names, you know, like Logan Paul. So you stupid. have two last names. That's equally stupid. Michael Jordan, hate him. I hate me. Anthony Flabadakis. <laughs> Don't like him. Final question. What makes you happy? Michael Jackson? Terrible. <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> Final question. Let's end on a good note. It's Christmas. Let me I'll, I'll turn on the Christmas music for this one. All right. Happy Christmas Eve, everybody. <laughs> That's my favorite Christmas song. Alright. What makes you happy? Let's end on a happy note. I am so excited for our family's tradition. I talked about it with Summer, uh, where we're going to eat finger foods under the candlelight. Um, that makes me very happy because it is a thing that we do together. It's Could a, a candle burn if is it were tonight? upside down? Yeah. No. I didn't think so. Questions <laughs> science can't answer. <laughs> it will drown in the wax. Yeah, it will. <laughs> I don't appreciate those jokes. <laughs> What makes you happy, Katrina? Actually, let's end with a woman, because sexism. Cooper, what makes you happy? Um, woman. <laughs> All right, Katrina. I just, I love the mountains. <laughs> and exploring. And I like finding local coffee shops and record stores just oh with like gosh. that this wasn't vintage, basic two years ago but it is vintage now vintage aesthetic you know I really like um, Pink Floyd <laughs> but only his Dark Side of the Moon album cause I like the cover art and I really like my dog it makes me really happy and um yeah and I, I like Christmas you're going to have to keep going. I've got another uh, 46 minutes of this Christmas and music. I no, really, stop, I love boys. my friends, I'm, and I love the show, Friends. I'm, I stop. am Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, I've been listening to the rapper uh, Logic. I've been really enjoying his music. Um, I don't, I've never listened to him. I haven't either. I literally have listened to three songs by him. Um, 1-800. No, that one is on the radio. <laughs> That's the one where it's 800 today. today. <laughs> and that's a free ad for you. <laughs> Go ahead and call me. To this get your... podcast was sponsored <laughs> by Honey. Do you do shopping online? <laughs> oh, no. Have you ever heard of a bee? This podcast was sponsored by Raycon, the best cordless headphones <laughs> in the game. This podcast, um, this <laughs> podcast was sponsored talking. by SeatGeek. Use code Conversation Therapy. Michael slash HTTPP PP. Use code PP for twenty percent off. Thank you so much. Um, now we would like to. Take up tithes and offerings for the podcast. Then after that, we will be taking up arms to see who's next. <laughs> then after that, <laughs> this is brought to you by Skillshare. First, 
I just want to be the first to say you should give 10% of your money to the church and not to people in need. I just want to be the second Ooh. to say some of you are closer than others to eternity. Mm, <laughs> preach it. I would also like to just take a second to say panda sex. Mm. I heard, did you hear that? <laughs> Genius. Write that down. That's fine. Write that down. 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 One second. Write that down. 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 Thank you so much for coming to this Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve service. I'd like to, first of all, thank my personal note taker over in the corner. Ready done. Everything that I say. But they can't write it down without saying it to themselves. Michael Bublé. You've got to watch.